Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of Fixing the Talk Sports. I am your host, Ryan Brown, and today I am joined by Anthony Squid Gabriella and Mike Ayula with with Nick Brown on producer role. Thank uh, you, fellas. Thank you very much. How are we doing? Doing wonderful. Doing wonderful. We are fantastic, Ryan. Happy to be here tonight. Back in the All booth, right. and I'm loving it. So we've got plenty to talk about in the world of the NBA and the world of the Boston Celtics. Since we last spoke, uh, we were previewing the playoffs and how we thought the Celtics might do or might fare in the playoffs, especially in the play-in tournament. Well, uh, we, we thought that they would lose to the Wizards and then beat the winner of Charlotte, Indiana. Well, we were completely wrong. Uh, Jason Tatum decided uh, he was going to drop a 50 burger on the Washington Wizards and the Celtics beat Washington to get the seven seed and thus earn a date with the Brooklyn Nets in which they got completely overwhelmed and squashed. Although injuries, as we are all aware, played a big factor in that. Uh, So they lost to the Nets in five. The only game they won was thanks to Jason Tatum dropping yet another 50 burger to steal a game from the Nets, but without Jalen Brown and then eventually Kemba Walker, Robert Williams, the injuries just piled up. It was too much to overcome and the Celtics succumbed to the Brooklyn Nets in five. Uh, As we go on later in the show, we'll, we'll sort of talk about, the rest of the playoff landscape and how things have shaken out uh, and how they've, they compared to our predictions. Um, We can get into that a little bit, but I want to start off talking about the Celtics. Their only win against the Nets required Jason Tatum to have a superhuman effort. All four of their losses were by double digit margins. They were close at times, but eventually the Nets pulled away. And I think the big thing here to take away is that yes, Tatum is good enough to compete one against three, but not win. And two, Kemba Walker getting hurt again with another knee injury, missing multiple games at the end of the season. Uh, it's, I think it's getting to the point where I think we can say the Kemba Walker experiment in Boston is coming to a close. And I'll, I'll get into some of the details about surrounding that in just a minute. But let me start with you, Squid. What were your thoughts on the Celtics' short-lived playoff run? Yeah, you know, I, uh, I tend to be an optimist, and I'm going to stick by my optimist roots. Uh, I, I very much enjoyed the, you know, the short playoff run they had because we got to play in tournament where we got to see uh, Adam go for 50 against his buddy Bradley Bill, future Celtic Bradley Bill. And uh, then we got to see, sorry, yeah, no, I'm, I'm going to be hot take city tonight. Um, and uh, then we got to see the Celtics going against Brooklyn, like you talked about, and talking about how the Celtics were overwhelmed. And I truly believe, you know, one, not the Celtics didn't just not have Jalen Brown. They also didn't, like, they, they, they pretty much didn't have their whole roster. And Tatum had to go one on three against three Hall of Famers, uh, two, of the, two of the best scorers the league has ever seen. And uh, he was the best player on the floor multiple nights against them which to me proves that he can be the best player on a championship team. So that's what I took away from that series, to be honest with you, because, I mean, he went toe-to-toe with KD and scared him down and said, I'm the, you know, I'm, I'm the alpha around here. And he did that, and obviously, he won the series. But, I mean, what he was over, obviously overmatched when he it was him and Aaron D. Smith and Peyton Pritchard and Chris Thompson first. Three Hall of Famers and maybe four if you include Blake Griffin. So I took the pauses out of that. And uh, it also got us uh, Danny Ainge out of office, which I was calling for all year. Mike? You know, um, I live in Whitman, Massachusetts, and um, every Thursday morning, the, uh, the garbage truck comes by to take the trash out. And uh, watching that series was like watching the garbage truck come and take the trash out in front of my house. There was a nice moment, you know, there's always that nice moment when you see the trash just going in the truck, knowing it gets compacted. That was kind of like Tatum's 50-point game. Um, but the rest of that series was inevitable. And it was kind of representative of the Celtics season. Uh, there was always that one, you know, there were the flashy moments like the game that he had and the game against Washington as well. But this was inevitable. They got fucking smoked by a better team. Um, 
it was a it was doomed from the start. They they never had a chance. And like Squid said, it finally got Danny out. Danny has been on a downhill slide ever since the whole Kyrie scandal uh, a few years ago, or not scandal, but you know what I mean. The, that whole crap situation. situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, since the whole Kyrie thing went down, um, he's just been on a downhill slide. The Gordon Hayward experiment didn't work. Uh, Al Horford never really got you over the hump, although he was a good player. The Kemba Walker experiment has been an unmitigated disaster for them. Uh, He hasn't built a good roster around Tatum and Brown. You look at guys like Grant Williams, who he, he may or may not have resembled a past version of me. I'll leave that to your own judgment, but. um, Well, you're going to have to describe yourself to the listeners to make a comparison. Well, hold on. Can I, I, can I butt in and ask a question? I've been thinking about this ever since you said it, Mike, how often do you watch the garbage truck come pick up your trash? You know, that's not important right now. Nick. That seems I, like I a wild keep... thing to just get satisfaction out of. But anyway, it continues. Goodness. Producer interrupting me, making me lose my train of thought. Anywho, back to the important stuff. I used to be thick, and Grant Williams is pretty thick. So some people have said we resemble one another. But I digress on that point. The point is the Celtics roster has been trash. This season was trash. That series was trash. And that's why I made a reference to the trash man coming by and picking up the trash. Now, so, yeah. I mean, even with, with Tatum putting in the efforts that he had, I mean, he had a 40-point game where the, the Celtics lost, a 32-point game where the Celtics lost. It, it was just evident. The, the, they were just far too shorthanded, far too overwhelmed and outmatched to really stand much of a chance against the Nets, but we knew that. We knew that even if they, even if they played Philly in the 1-8, we knew it wasn't going to be a whole lot different aside from maybe they take two games because Philly's not that good, uh, not that dominant. Um, but I definitely want to hone in on Kimba Walker. So he, he suffers a bone bruise in game three of the series. He sits out in games four and five and about a week after the Celtics were eliminated from the playoffs, multiple outlets confirmed a bleacher report story that Kemba and the Celtics want to move on from each other, that Kemba had reportedly been upset with the team ever since Danny Ainge apparently tried to trade him for Drew Holiday about a year or so ago. And that kind of fractured his relationship with the front office. He was all, he was always boys with, with his teammates. He never had any issues with his teammates, but he, he just never, from that point on, he never trusted the front office according to this report. And it just seems that we are destined for a Kemba Walker Boston Celtics breakup. So uh, let's let's get in on onto that. Squid, what are your thoughts on Kemba Walker potentially being done in Boston? Yeah, you know, um, I think it's probably right for both parties. Um, I know Kemba still has like you know Kemba can still come out during these games and give you twenty to thirty points and you know have those nights. But for the money we're paying him, I mean. I personally don't want it. I think I'd rather just fill out a bench and have a couple of role players in his place personally. So, uh, yeah, I think it's an, like, it's kind of inevitable. Um, Kemba's boys with, you know, Jalen and Jason and all them and Marcus. But in the end of the day, you, like, Kemba's not really a fit in this roster. Kemba's a score-first kind of guy. He's not, he's not a setup guy. And, you know, we need Tatum and Brown being set up, and that's the reality of things. So, for me, is I think it's okay for us to move on from him. And, just got to find the right fit, find the right trade. Don't act out of disparity. Uh, don't be desperate. You have to, you know, be patient. And if that means, I guess, with somehow waiting to the trade deadline or if you need to do the Blaker from buyout like Detroit did this year, do, do whatever it takes. But uh, don't trade him for – do not do not just trade him to get him off the roster if you don't get anything back because we still can't sign anyone in free agency if we just get rid of him. The only thing we can do is bring back Kevin Fournier because of uh, cap issues and the hard cap. So I ask – that they do move on for him, but please make sure to be patient, make the right trade. And Brad seems to be a patient guy, as we've heard absolutely nothing about this coaching search, and we'll into that later. Mm-hmm. Mike, I know you kind of started speaking about Kemba and his issues. Um, do you want to expand upon that? Yeah, you know, um, I wish we had a sound bar for this podcast because you, you're a bit pretty big wrestling guy, so I would 
be begging you to slam the uh, the audio for the Daniel Bryan yes gif right now um, after hearing <laughs> that Kemba Walker wants out of Boston. Uh, the happiest of happy days. I mean, he just cannot stay healthy and stay on the court to save his life. The guy's a phenomenally talented talented point guard it made all the sense in the world at the time after losing Irving and Horford in free agency to bring him in but god it just hasn't worked it's been two years now it's consistent knee issues he's too much of a ball dominant point guard in a system where you have two superstar isolation young wingers who should be developing as the primary focal points of the offense and it's a lot harder for them to do that when they have to share with the third guy look at look at the way the Clippers have built you have two star wingers in Leonard and George, basically the older versions of Tatum and Brown when you really think about it. They built their team the right way around them by giving them a core of really good role players around whom they could work where they leave one of those guys on the court at all times and the other one gets to rest. And the core of role players helps support them, gives them some defense. You got guys who can score like Marcus Morris. The Celtics don't have that because they're paying Kemba Walker $35 million to recover from knee injuries year in and year out. And when he's been on the court, it's not like he's been efficient. He, sure, he has his nights. He'll, he'll get his. He still has the talent, but he's never healthy enough to maintain it. So what good does that do you if you're paying $35 million to an injured former star who can't stay on the court? So I don't know. I don't think he makes it to Boston um, in the regular season. I think he will be gone long before then. I think they are going to have to attach a first-round pick to him, and I wouldn't mind if it was 16 if it gave them the salary relief and they were were able to get a decent player back. I know that the Thunder have oodles of cap space, and uh, producer tonight, Mick Brown, is a Thunder fan. Um, the yeah, Thunder I've your, love I've got your soundboard for you. Yes! 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 But also, OKC would be a great destination for Kemba. Thank you, producer Nick. Um yeah, it, it, it'd be good to, you know, ship Kemba in a first down there for, I don't know much about their roster, but one of their decent role players, um, or even to just swap Kemba and Horford, because Horford worked better here than Kemba ever did, and he's familiar with the system that they run, even if they are going to get a new coach. Um, I also think that the Knicks are a possibility, as, you know, they could be looking for a guy to run with Randall and Barrett, because, uh, you know, as good as Derrick Rose was, um, they got throttled by the Hawks this year, and I'm not sure that he can bring them over the top. And the third destination would be Dallas if you just did a straight-up swap of Kemba for Porzingis. I don't see Porzingis working out in Dallas in the long run. Um, and it seems like Dallas needs another ball handler next to Luka, kind of like what the Rockets were doing with Harden and Westbrook, where you had those guys taking turns running the offense, and they found a way to coexist together in small ball. It seems like that's what Dallas may have to do with Luka. Kemba would make sense for them to at least take a chance on and to get out from the Porzingis contract. So those are three possible spots where I think he could end up. So one, uh, I do have to point out that while your comparison to the Clippers is fair, uh, the Clippers haven't exactly had any much better success than the Celtics have with this, that their roster construction. So just want to point that out that it's not exactly the way to do it. Um, but it, it is a it's preferable to do it that way than to spend it all on a player like you said that's not giving us much of anything of the past year or two uh but secondly you did kind of jump into our next topic point which is uh should the celtics move on from kemba i think we all are in agreement on that so then what are some realistic trade options for him so mike has detailed a uh, three places he could go dallas New York, where you probably, because the Knicks have so much cap space like OKC, uh, you probably only have to bring back a small contract or two, sort of like uh, maybe a Kevin Knox and someone else. And similar for OKC, they do have a lot of cap space, but I think it would require them, um, de depending on how their draft picks work out, I think they would have to take Al Horford back in most scenarios for an OKC trade to work. Um, I'm not 100% sure on that, but, uh, squid, what are your thoughts on those kind of three trade destinations or scenarios? And do you have any others that you want to put forth? Yeah. You know, uh, those are all some, some good, uh, thought out trade scenarios. And uh, I guess I'll jump right into the Dallas one. And I'm going to say this, uh, first and foremost, 
absolutely do not trade for Chris Davis Porzingis. I don't care if the ceiling's higher. I don't care if maybe he'll just work better with the Jays. He has a year longer on his contract than Kemba does, which gives the Celtics way less flexibility long-term and pretty much – so the way Jalen's contract is right now, if you were to give Porzingis – if you were to take Porzingis in, him and Jalen, I believe, would expire at the same time, and it wouldn't really – because if Jalen's thinking about leaving us, which who knows, maybe that happens in a couple of years, then all of a sudden we don't have a third guy on the roster that's going to make him stay. Versus if you can get out of – if you just end up sticking with Kemba, which we shouldn't do, but if that's somehow what happens and uh, we need to try to get out get, get another guy in here, but we have a full year to prove to Jalen, well, we can get a third star for you, whether that's Bradley Bill at the time or something along those lines. But um, I do not want to take on the extra year, Chris Tapsworth-Zingas. We need the fi- financial flexibility with our two stars uh, contracts coming up in those couple of years down the road. Um, moving on to the uh, the Knicks trade, I definitely think – I mean, I, I think Kemba makes a lot of sense there. Kemba's from New York. It was, you know, Kemba would appreciate probably being traded to New York. Kemba's an East Coast guy. And I'm assuming he doesn't want to go to the middle of the country in OKC. So trading Kemba there is probably – I mean, probably ha- would make him happy. However, I mean, I don't know. We, we're not really going to take anything back on that roster, and we pretty much just give up a draft pick and salary dump Kemba there in hopes that we can make a second move, and that would pretty much be Brad setting himself up for another free agent down the road, which I guess if you got to do it, you got to do it. And third, this is my favorite option, is the OKC option, simply because, uh, I mean, it's an option I really like because Al Horford would be coming back in that deal. And Al, like, kind of like Mike touched upon earlier, Al Horford works here. We know that. Um, He's also kind of Robert Williams, Tristan Thompson, and Stearns because they both seem to not be able to stay healthy the whole season. So having Al just be the third guy in the rotation, Al can play the four. You know, he can shoot the three a little bit. No, he's not a 25-year-old Al Horford, but he's still a solid role player. I mean, the Thunder had literally had to bench him because he was playing well. So uh, <laughs> I would I would, I would, would take Al Horford back. Plus, Al Horford has one big year in his contract this year. Which it's, only, it's only $27 million versus Kemba's $37 million, So we're saving – 10 million, which puts under the luxury tax, which is great. Um, if, if you didn't resign four day, whatever. But also, next year, his guarantee goes all the way down to 14.5 million. And so at that point, Forford's just burnt out, or it's good. That's a great number. But also, it's it's like you, that's, it makes you so you can buy him out one, or you have flexibility in that sense. And, you know, Horford is a good ball mover, if anything. He's a decent defender at this point in his career. So I would take Horford. And that would allow us to get some more role players in here and kind of build a better team around Jason Jalen, which is ultimately what we're looking for. So I would go with the OKC trade. Hmm. Do you have any other trade destinations for Kemba that come to mind, Squid? Oh, you know, I, I've thought about it a little bit. And uh, one scenario that comes to mind, I mean, actually two scenarios. There's the Clippers, if they were to flame out, which to me doesn't seem like it's going to happen at this point because they're at least going to be in the conference finals. And I mean, I, I mean, I guess if you lose in the conference, well, I mean, I think they're going to beat Utah here, but... I guess if you lose in the conference finals, you probably need to make a move. So I guess Kemba for uh, Luke Kennard and Pat Bev and, you know, maybe like Terrence Mann or something. If we had to throw a first, first in, I'm okay with that. And if we keep Pat Bev, that'll bring an edge to the team. If we get rid of them, it'll just flip them for someone else. But that also gives us the opportunity to get another floor spacer with Kennard, uh, kind of makes Fournier expendable. And, uh, you know, that's an option. My other trade, which I love, which I don't know, how willing this team would be to do it, but I, I hope they are, uh, is Sacramento because Sacramento obviously needs to shake it up. They've had, like, it seems like a top 10 pick for the last 20 years, and they still somehow have not made the playoffs. So, uh, yeah, they should probably shake it up and maybe a veteran leader like Kemba Walker in, in, in there might help them out a little bit. And they got a guy who has a very long contract in Buddy Hield who can shoot the three very, very well, and that would be a great compliment to the Jays. So, if there's some kind of Buddy Hield Kemba Kemba moving the mix, I would love that as long as, you know, the Jays sign off on it. So that's my two other trade scenarios. I don't hate the Sacramento one. I I actually really like the Clipper one. I, bringing in another Duke boy in Luke Kennard. Sign me up for that. Four years, 55 mil. He's, uh, he's locked in like, yes, please. I'm so in for that. Um, one, I will offer one more trade scenario uh, that hasn't been brought up yet. And that is possibly sending Kemba to South Beach, to the Miami Heat. Uh, it would require the Heat to pick up a couple of team options, um, but they could, if they really, like they have nothing else to do here, they have no other route to go and they don't want to buy out, 
they could look to trade Kemba to the Heat uh, for Goran Dragic and Andre Iguodala. Now, that is not exactly the most appealing trade uh, whatsoever. Um, probably would get a lot of negative feedback in the uh, social media realm because Goran Dragic had a down year. It's one of the reasons why the Heat struggled so much is because Dragic had a, a down year after that finals run. And uh, Andre Iguodala, let's let's face it, he's, he's another 35-year-old, three and deer, who's more or less washed up himself. So, I mean, that you're not getting a whole lot back there. That So that, that one, you'd probably be asking Miami to throw in the first-round pick, and I don't even know if they would do that. Um, but if you're looking to get some expiring contracts uh, and just play through it for one year and get out of the Kemba contract, then the Dragic and Iguodala would both be on expiring contracts. Maybe you get a first rounder out of Miami. Maybe you don't, but you could get out of the Kemba Walker deal a year or two sooner and open up the, the pathway to getting uh, a free agent, signing a free agent much quicker. So that it's an option, maybe, maybe not the best one, but it's an option. Now, the reason why uh, we're seeing so much of that front office uh, turnover um, was Danny Ainge decided uh, a day after the, the Celtics playoff run ended that he was going to step down and retire from his position as president of basketball operations, the GM of the team, so to speak. And Brad Stevens is going to be the one to replace him. So Brad Stevens, no longer head coach, he's going to move and replace Danny Ainge in the front office. So now the Boston Celtics not only need to look at retooling their roster, but now they need to get a new head coach. So the Celtics have a lot to do this offseason, for sure. So, Mike, I will start with you. What are your thoughts on the whole Danny Ainge, Brad Stevens shakeup? And now that the Celtics are looking for a head coach, who, who do you want to see the, the team hire? So I'm all in on uh, getting rid of Ainge or him retiring. Um, I, it was time. You know, we talked a little bit about it earlier. He hasn't made, you know, a lot of good decisions uh, these past couple of years. Um, and it felt like he had kind of lost his touch a little bit. You know, he, he seemed to have that Midas touch for a long time where everything he touched turned to gold. And it, it's almost like bringing in Kyrie Irving was a curse where you traded away IT, who was the heart and soul of the city. Um, you know, it, everything after that, it's like everything he touched turned to shit. So, you know, it, that was a good, it, it was a pretty bad three-year run that he had. And he was more than, you know, overdue to be gone. With Brad taking over, I don't hate it. I'm a little skeptical. Um, because this is quite the change for him. It, it is a completely different role. But if anyone knows what the Boston Celtics need, it is the guy who has spent the last three years coaching the shit that Danny Ainge has put in front of him. So he'll know how to adjust the roster. He'll know where to go out and find these guys, what he specifically needs to get in order to help them win. And he seems like he's all in on it. So I'm a fan of that. And I hope he brings in the right head coach. Rumor has it they're searching for an African-American head coach, which I'm fine with. I want whoever they hire to be someone that the Jays sign off on. And as long as the two of them agree, I'm good with whoever it is. And Squid, I know you've already talked about how much, how thrilled you are to see Danny Ainge out the door. Um, but who, who do you want the Celtics to hire as a head coach? Do you have any names in mind? Oh boy. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I guess obviously I'm very excited to see Ainge go. I, I mean, I love Danny and his time here. Uh, the last few years have been extremely frustrating. I uh, just not willing to move on from draft picks like Grant Williams and like players like Carson Edwards to find bench role players that are veterans that could be helpful. I have no idea why he didn't do it. And it could have got us to the finals last year, moving on from that. Cause the past is the past and I can't change it. Uh, you know, I think Brad's the right guy for this job because I think he's a basketball genius and he knows the roster. So I just, I mean, I love having him making those decisions because he's a very thorough thinker. I know everything he does, he's not going to react very like 
impulsively. He's going to think about it, and he's going to make the right – at least what, what he thinks to be the right choice. So the first choice, obviously, he has to make is the head coaching position. And for me, I really do think that uh, there's a few options. Uh, remember, at the top of my list was Jawan Howard, but he said he doesn't want to leave college. Uh, you know, he's my Michigan man. I'm a huge Michigan basketball fan, but you know, Jawan would have been a good fit, in my opinion, because he knows how to lead, inspire, and he's uh, seems like a pretty decent X and O's guy. Uh, but yeah, kind of like Mike said, whoever it is needs to be signed off on by the Jays and potentially someone who's also a good recruiter. Um, a player I look at is uh, Chauncey, I mean, a co- a old player, now co- assistant coach is Chauncey Billups. I like him. Um, I like Sam Cassell. That's another good option. Sam Cassell has been on the sidelines for like 10 years now uh, behind Doc Rivers, and he seems to be a pretty good basketball mind, and he seems like he's going to be able to demand a locker room. So I think it would be a good change in voice. And, you know, I just when I, when I think about Sam Cassell, I think about this this you know, this older wise man, and uh, he he always played played on the court pretty smart. So I would like to see himself just bring him in as the head coach. He's my number one option at this point. Uh, and I guess just kind of thinking outside of the box a little bit. Uh, I don't know. I guess if you're looking like deep deep down the the line, I mean, I, I think Mike's right. It's going to be an African American head coach. Uh, I, I guess the the guy from Brooklyn, Udoka. I think his name's like Udoka or something I can't pronounce I, I can't I don't know his actual name but I've heard good things about him so it'd be interesting but yeah like just whoever it is that the Jays need to sign off on and would want and obviously he has to be able to demand a locker room don't hire someone based off of like media pressure hire someone the Jays want as their head coach and will let lead them yeah so there's there's been a lot of early rumors for potential candidates like I know I read one story that that pointed to Mike D'Antoni or a Jason Kidd being in the mix for, for the head coaching gig. Uh, they've already gotten, Brad Stevens has already gotten permission to interview a bunch of assistant coaches from other teams, including Chauncey Billups. He's currently an assistant coach with the Clippers, as you mentioned. Um, one name. So I'm not sure what, what, where they're going to go. Are they going to go for a proven commodity or are they going to go for a, a sort of a first time coach? It seems to me that they're going to go towards the line of a first-time coach that's a proven sort of basketball mind and experience on the court, just hasn't gotten the chance to run a team as a head coach off the court. Um, so one, there is one assistant coach that I do think has a decent shot here. Uh, it's Charles Lee. He's a, a six-year assistant under Mike Budenholzer, both in Atlanta and Milwaukee. And from what I've been able to read – from him uh his peers tout him as a future bona fide head coach a five tool coach is the wording that was used uh which i mean that just speaks volumes that i mean five tool player five tool coach uh clearly he's got a future ahead of him as a head coach then um Can he's, we he's, what those five tools <laughs> <laughs> i don't know what they are but um it, i he's he's a former professional basketball player he's a journeyman he played overseas. He played a little bit in the Americas, but he didn't, he didn't stick around much. Um, and he's been honing in his craft as an assistant. He seems to be very well respected around the league. Um, so that could be an option as well, but there's a lot of different routes. The Celtics could go here. Hopefully Brad makes the correct decision, whether he decides to go with a proven commodity, the likes of a Jason kid, Mike D'Antoni, or if he goes an unproven commodity, gives somebody their first chance uh, with a Chauncey Billups, a Sam Cassell or a Charles Lee. I, I threaten chaos a while, but I mean, pretty often I threaten chaos, but if Jason kid gets hired, you will not be hearing from me for a long time. <laughs> and I can't blame you on that one. I really can't. All right. Now let's sort of transition into some other offseason plans for the Celtics. The NBA draft is only six weeks away. Uh, I just realized that today. So uh, I'm sure we'll, we'll kind of link back up for a, a draft preview pod uh, in the future. But while we're talking Celtics, let's get our sort of our early draft plans for what we think the Celtics should do with that 16th overall pick. Uh, should they just take the best available? Should they trade it? Uh, are there players that we think could be in that position that we'd like to see the Celtics take? Um, Squid, I will start with you. Do you have uh, what do you want to see the Celtics do in the draft? 
Yeah. So about mid-season, I started a camp. Uh, this following this past season, I, I started a campaign for no more young guys, and I'm not talking about Cameron Payne. A campaign. Uh, yeah, I, I started. I started this. No more young guys. I don't want any more young guys in this team. Uh, Grant Williams has. And I'm sorry, Mike, because I know you compare yourself to him, but at times he makes me just turn the TV off. He makes me question why I'm a sports fan. Uh, Carson Edwards, terrible. Um, I mean, Neesmith and Pritchard showed some promise, but I mean, I, I'm, I'm sick of these young guys who come in here as projects and can't contribute off the bench. And Celtics had to, are forced to rely on Jabari Parker and Semi Ojale. That's not, that's not how to build a title team. That's not how to do it. And unless you're going to bring a guy in here who's a surefire young guy who's going to come and, you know, produce right away, which doesn't really happen very often at the 16th pick, I don't want to use this pick. I believe this pick should be traded uh, as fast as they can trade it. Um, I think, you know, last year we saw the 16th pick get traded for Robert Covington. Beautiful. Something like that would be perfect. You know, I saw 16th pick for Larry Nance Jr. He shoots the three well. He can defend. He's versatile that's perfect get me get me Larry Ann's Jr. for the 16th pick get me something along those lines for the 16th pick I want a nice certified role player who knows he's a role player Mike yeah so um I don't think the Celtics will be picking again at 16 for a while I expect them to be in the 20s for the next few years so this one I would like them to use and then they can start trading out next year I uh, pulled up an NBA draft big board just to look at, you know, where the prospects rank. Big board! Yes, yes, needed to pull up a big board. Uh, haven't looked into him too much this year, but the 16th player on the big board was Jalen Johnson, who, of course, went to Duke. So um, definitely don't want that strictly because of where he went to college, trash <laughs> school. They've only produced one ever good uh, NBA player ever in Jason Tatum. Everyone else from that sucks. Um Sir. Hey, hey, listen, you, you, you know I'm a Tokyo guy. Yeah, I know. And confirm. Um, anywho, uh, one guy who was lower on that that I'd like is Jared Butler, uh, the Baylor point guard. I think that if you see Kemba move, they might not necessarily get a point guard back. And so getting a guy like Butler who could share the load with Pritchard, I think Pritchard's more of a backup. I think Butler could probably hold his own as a low-end starter, even as a rookie. He showed some maturity and poise last year in their national title run. Um, so he's somebody who I'd want to target. Another guy is James Booknight from UConn, who was ranked 24th on this. I don't know how. Um, that guy I had seen at like top 10 earlier in the year. So if he's there at 16, I would be a big fan of taking him. Um, other than that, um, there's not really anybody who I necessarily want. I do think there's a realistic chance this pick gets traded to create cap space in a Kemba Walker deal. Um, but if if they were to keep the pick, those are the guys who I'd want them to take at 16 overall. Yeah, so for me, I do want them to just take the best available player. Specifically, I would prefer that to be a wing player. I think they need more depth on the wing. You're more or less playing Jason Tatum as a stretch four, as a point forward at times. And you really don't have – you've got a – bunch of depth at the guard positions but you really don't have any true just standalone wing players right now uh behind a, an Aaron Neesmith and uh, we saw it took Aaron Neesmith a heck of a lot of time to get the ball rolling for him so uh I'm looking at a mock draft uh for CBS Sports and they have Keon Johnson the freshman shooting guard from Tennessee who on ESPN is ranked as the eighth best player available in the entire field uh, as falling to the Celtics at 16. And so if that's a thing that happens, I mean, Tennessee had a very good year uh, in the world of basketball. Yes. They choked in March madness, but they were a five seed and Keon Johnson was a big part of that. Um, he averaged 11 points, four rebounds, three assists, a steal. He did it on 45% shooting. Uh, he's got to work on the three point game for sure. Uh, 27% from three is obviously a work in progress. Um, but from what I'm reading on him, I mean, that's, that's a guy that if he's there, 
I wouldn't hate if they took him. The only problem that I could come up with is it seems like he's just a little bit better of Romeo Langford. And we already have a Romeo Langford on our team. So uh, not exactly what the Celtics need necessarily, but if he could develop into something uh, more so than a current Romeo Langford, then that would be pretty good. Um, so I, I wouldn't hate a Keon Johnson from Tennessee. Because uh, we, we tried to, to draft the best shooter in the draft last year and uh, early results didn't pan out too great. Uh, so maybe they should just go back to that route. Um, to, uh, and I, sorry, I know you asked for you know players you might have an eye on. So I guess I'll give a few names since I just yelled about trading the pick. But uh, yeah, if I'm patient here and we do draft a few guys, a few guys I do have eyes on. Uh, one, I mean, I guess there's, there's three names. One is Joshua Christopher. He went, I mean, he was a very highly touted college recruit. Uh, and he went, to Ari- he went to Arizona State and kind of just had a down year. But, um, but, but I guess by his standards and the Arizona State wasn't relevant. But I could see him, like, if he's in the right situation, being, like, kind of similar to what the subject has drafted in the past, a really high recruit who maybe underperforming college, a la Romeo Lenford. Uh, which to, and I'm I'm not counting Romeo out yet. I'm excited to see his this summer for him because he's gonna actually have a summer where he's healthy and can actually like try to develop his game a little bit, which would be big for him. But uh, yeah, so he, that's one guy I look out for. Another guy is uh, a guy that we all know of if you watch college basketball. And that is Ao Desumo Sumu. Sorry, I pronounced the name wrong. Uh, he is just he's a bucket getter. I think he's a grinder, and he's a guy that you. He might be a good sixth man in the NBA or who knows, maybe a starter someday. That's another good, I guess, wing guard type player that I wouldn't hate to see if he's around at 16. And lastly, uh, I'll look at the international guys because they seem to be good passers and just develop a little differently than the America guys. And that is Josh Giddy from uh, Australia. Uh, he's a very jumbo point guard who's a very good passer. I've been watching some highlights of him. He's actually uh, by NBADraft.net. He is – how does he go to the Celtics right now if they had that pick? So those are three guys to look out for. And, you know, I'm kind of along the lines of you, with you guys. We need a guard or a wing. I think, you know, Time Lord, Tristan Thompson, and whatever expendable center we got on the, on the market over the summer is plenty down low. Yep. So uh, before we sort of just go into the, an NBA playoffs update and we'll wrap up with that, uh, I do want to get your final thoughts here on the Celtics. So my final question to you guys will be this. And we've sort of already gone into it a little bit. Uh, So more or less just looking for an expansion upon it. What does Brad Stevens need to do to the roster to get this team back to the finals? We've seen them get to the Eastern Conference finals three out of four years at one point under Brad Stevens, but they couldn't get back to the finals. So what does Brad Stevens need to do to with the roster to get this team back to the finals. Mike, I will start with you. Okay. Uh, So the first thing he can do is um, call Kyrie Irving and tell him that Kevin Durant thinks the earth is round and that will hopefully implode the Brooklyn Nets uh, because it seems that they've made a comeback tonight and while the game is close, um, them imploding is the only thing that or injuries that will stop them from winning. But if we're talking about just the Celtics, um, he needs to reconstruct this entire roster around Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. He needs to take everything that is in there currently outside of a few pieces, namely Pritchard, Neesmith, Smart, Williams. Everything else needs to go. Just throw it out. I, I don't care what you do with it. Cut it, trade it, send it to Europe, you know, I, I don't care. Cook it over a grill, fillet. It doesn't matter. Get rid of the rest of the damn team. It, it doesn't work. It hasn't worked for the past couple of years. Every time they've gotten close, uh, they've lost. And they've lost to teams in ways that they probably shouldn't have. Look at the way that they lost to the Heat last year. They were a better team than the Miami Heat, and they got completely outclassed. They need more help around those two guys. Find a way to get it no matter how you have to do it. I don't care if that means, you know, trading Kemba for Horford and then finding some cheaper role players or trading Kemba for cap space and getting a few more expensive guys. Just get rid of all the crap that you have around the Jays right now and find a way to get them better role players. 
Um, did you insinuate at one point there that human beings should be grilled and filleted? Yeah, what kind of cannibalism is that? I can't allow that. We got to cut that out. I'm, I think my pod's about to get canceled. Listen, man, I've been up since I, I've, I've been up since like five thirty in the morning. I obviously don't want them to get filleted <laughs> or cooked. I am not of the mentality of supporting cannibalism or cooking human beings. We're we're hitting a very niche category now, right? Yeah, we, we've 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 really done ourselves well here, where we we've got a panelist needing to clarify that they do not support cannibalism. I do not support cannibalism in any sort of fashion. Uh, the Fix Under Talk, Talk Sports podcast does not support cannibalism in any fashion. We are an anti-cannibalist podcast. All I right. mean, to each his own. You know, we, we don't want to tell people what to do, though. Yeah, it is America after all. But uh, this is America. But uh, Squid, let, let me let me see what's your blueprint for getting the Celtics back to the finals. I don't know how to follow up that act. Uh, I, I guess the answer is not cannibalism, but. Uh, I would say there's, uh, you know, there's many things the Celtics can do. And I know I, uh, weeks, I mean, long ago, the day the Celtics won, said Kemba's moving on. And then Brad came to the front office. My immediate thought was Kemba for Al Horford is the first move that uh, Brad should make. uh, That gets, you know, a veteran, another veteran in here. Uh, good ball mover, uh, decent switcher. Can shoot the three, stretch the floor a little bit, which we didn't have. So if we want to run small off five sometimes. And another guy who's proven to slow down and beat a little bit so he can go back to being their father. Uh, and then secondly, I I mean, we need, to fill, we need to fill the roster out with role players who know their role players and they're not going to try to do anything more and they're not going to be a rookie who doesn't know where they are on the court. So, you know, a few people I look at, uh, whether you like to do them, you know, use exceptions to get them on the team or – you know, clear some cap space so you can sign them. Players are really like on the market. Uh, this one's actually a really, really cheap one, and I think he needs a revival. He's a Danny Ainge favorite, and that is Justice Winslow. Uh, he's a free agent. He should be pretty cheap because he had a he's hurt all the time. But if he ever plays, very grinded out guy. He's gonna die after every loose ball, which is probably why he's always hurt. And uh, you know, he's a he's a he's a good player. So I would like to see him when he's healthy. He can be a good player. So I would like to see them add him as a project. I would like to see the Celtics. Go after a proven bench shooter who has won multiple championships. I believe multiple, maybe not. Uh, Patty Mills, I think he would be a good addition to the team. Uh, he's a free agent this this year. And then just look around the league at uh, players that you can you, you can trade. I know I mentioned Larry Nance. Uh, finding a guard you can take off the bench. You know, look at look at Phoenix. They have a guy like Campaign who's out there coming in every game, giving them energy and buckets. Celtics need that. The Celtics need a player that can come off the bench. So, yeah, I mean, I'd like to bring back Fournier. So, if you can come in with some kind of roster with like Smart, Fournier, Jalen, Jason, and Rob as your starting five, and then bring Tristan, Al, like Patty Mills, Winslow, and then the, the rookies off the bench, that's a better bench right there. And that should be able to get you, you know, more stability when the Jays are out of the game or there's just one Jay in. I don't think the Celtics need another star in here right now for them to compete. They need, they just need a better, better role players. I mean, look at the Nets. They have freaking Joe Harris, Blake Griffin, Jeff, Jeff Green, who's the new coming of Ray Allen tonight, uh, off, off ball. And it makes things so much easier. Landry Shamit. It makes things much easier for those stars. So get the Celtics players that are, that are going to compliment the Jays. You don't need a guy who's going to take the ball from the Jays constantly, if you know what I mean. So yeah, that's what I would see them do. Yeah, they definitely need to address the bench. I mean, we talked about it on previous editions of this podcast where the Celtics bench continually ranked near the bottom of the league in terms of production, yet they were they were fairly high in terms of bench usage. So it, it made no sense, and that needs to reverse itself and correct itself uh, in short order. So for me, I, I agree with you guys. You definitely got to trade Kemba. And I agree, even if it's just for some role players, just for bench depth purposes, you got to do it. And, and then I also agree with you, Squid, re-sign Fournier, uh, ex- even extend Robert Williams, even if just because of his, he's just got gobbles of potential to me. I know he's got to work through actually being able to stay on the court consistently. Um, so maybe you don't see an extension right away for him because he's still a year away from that. But I just think he, he could he's easily could be penciled in as the center of the future for the Celtics if he could just stay healthy. Um, 
and continue to develop his game. So I would re-sign Fournier and make sure you keep Robert Williams long-term. And like you said, that gives you smart Fournier, Brown, Tatum, Robert Williams. And then you've got the guys that either you potentially bring in or you, you've got a Peyton Pritchard, Anise Smith, Tristan Thompson. You can work with that and you just need to add a few guys. So yeah, you got to move on from these unproven young guys. Carson Edwards, see you later. Semi Ojale, see you later. Grant Williams, goodbye. Add more proven shooters and rim protectors. So Luke Cornett, you're gone. Like you need to, a Patty Mills would be great. A Justice Winslow would be, would be great doesn't really fit the build of what I necessarily think they need off the bench, but that's a Duke boy. I don't say no to Duke boys. So uh, I I'm all in for a Patty Mills to add on the bench. That's a quality point guard who can shoot. Uh, and adding another rim protector uh, wouldn't hurt either. Cause like you said, um, what we've talked about, Robert Williams can't stay on the court. Tristan Thompson, not a whole lot much better. And I think sooner rather than later, they still need to try and add a third star once cap space opens up and allows for it. Or if Brad Stevens somehow finagles it through a Kemba Walker trade, then you do it through that. But I don't think that's going to be a potential. I don't think that's a realistic possibility. So I think you got to look to just offload Kemba and look to gain that cap space back as soon as possible. So that's how I would sort of, Work my way back if I were in the role of Brad Stevens. And, and every every player that leaves the Spurs just instantly becomes one of the best three-point shooters in the league because Pop refuses to let players shoot threes. This is true. This is true. I cannot deny this. All right, so that's that's going to do it for our Celtics talk. But let's uh, let's kind of wind down here and just update on where we sit in the NBA playoffs. The first round is in the books. We're getting down towards the end of the second round, the conference semis. Uh, Some of our picks have panned out. Some of our picks, uh, not so much. So uh, one pick that sort of, sort of kind of panned out for me, though the the way it actually happened was definitely not how I foresaw it. Phoenix Suns, the Phoenix Suns are advancing to the conference finals they took out the defending champion los angeles lakers in the 2-7 matchup in the western conference they beat them in six yes there were some injury issues with the lakers anthony davis re-injured his himself and was just a shell of himself the last two games uh so that clearly cost the lakers here but then phoenix goes on they play denver denver also without jamal murray and they, but they did have the MVP, Nikola Jokic, and they swept them. The Phoenix Suns, my Western Conference champion pick, is in the Western Conference Finals. I'm kind of stoked, even though I had them uh, beating Golden State and then beating Portland, not beating the Lakers or Denver. But that's okay. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how you got there. It matters that you got there. Um, but the Lakers losing in the first round, LeBron losing in the first round, that had never happened before. He was 14-0 in first round playoff series uh, before this year. So ripped to that streak. And elsewhere, it was pretty much chalk. Uh, with the exception of one, Atlanta came in and spanked the Knicks, exposed the Knicks as the frauds that we knew they were. And they're actually giving the Sixers a series uh, out in the Eastern Conference semis. Uh the remaining conference semifinals uh, that are still ongoing uh, are all tied 2-2. Uh, although, I believe if the game has just gone final, uh, then and it's about to. Brooklyn is going to be going up three games to two on Milwaukee. And that would leave Utah and the Clippers to also 2-2. So, we are... We've got seven teams still left in the NBA playoffs. Squid, let me get your thoughts on how the playoffs have kind of shook out so far. Yeah, you know, uh, I'm right on track for my finals prediction still. I, I guess I'll just go out there and say that. I had Clippers versus Nets, and uh, I'm rolling. I mean, I'm, I know the Clippers still have a long ways to go, but 
the Nets seem like they're about to finish this off unless KD misses both these free throws and they, but they're going to go up three to, Oh, he missed the first one. Uh, <laughs> they're going to go up three to two here. And I think, I mean, if, if KD has Harden or Kyrie, this, the series is over. It just needs to be two of them. They don't even need the third against the Bucks. And after that, I don't really see who's stopping them. I don't see who is stopping the Nets if Milwaukee's not going to, because Milwaukee seemed to have it rolling and they are pretty much barely hanging on with the Nets. So, uh, <laughs> I, I, I think the Nets are going to win the title, but yeah, I guess Phoenix looked very impressive. Uh, I, it would be cool to see Chris Paul make a finals. Uh, I, I, I still think we're going to get Clippers, Nets here, and uh, yeah, I think the Nets are going to finish it off pretty handily. I wouldn't Honestly, I wouldn't be shocked. I mean, Philadelphia, that's the one thing I've gotten joy out of this postseason because I've been a kind of a sad boy with my agenda where it's at right now. Uh, I don't I don't want the Nets winning. I don't want the Sixers winning, and uh yeah, the one thing I, w- I will say is this: the the uh, Sixers are struggling with the Hawks, which is amazing to see. Uh, we obviously all know the 76ers. If you're from Boston, you know the Sixers are frauds. They drop confetti when they uh, don't win. They they constantly say they're title contenders, and they don't ever come through, and they never will with Simmons and Embiid. Simmons can't even play on the final possession of the game, so I could dig into Philly all night. They're hilarious if they're losing to the Hawks. Uh, it's 2-2 somehow. Uh, Embiid obviously struggled last night, and I didn't hear people calling calling about Embiid's injuries when he was going for 40 and 10 and 10 first game or whatever his stat line was, and then next game having 30-plus, and then now he has a bad second half where he goes over 12, and everyone's always hurt. He's, he's, he can't even play. It's like, all right, well, you got to pick one or the other. He's either one of the best big men on earth or he's hurt, so – uh, you got to pick one of the, one of the two. So I get you have a slight injury there, but it's hilarious. The Sixers are losing. Uh, I can dig into that all day long, and I will because I hate Sixers. Uh, the Nets, if, if the Sixers win, the Nets will expose them in four quick games. That'll be hilarious. And then the Nets will roll to the title. If they get the Clippers, I think they could also beat them in four or five games. Yeah, I think the only pre- only team that can stop Brooklyn is themselves, and that would be from an injury standpoint, which – they they got pretty close. They got pretty close to to doing it themselves in with injuries. Uh, Mike, let me get your playoff thoughts so far. Yeah, so uh, I I got ambitious and took the Lakers over the Nets in the finals, and I'm the king of the reverse jinx. So naturally, the Lakers lost in the first round in six games. Um, you know that. As a Celtics fan, that was great to see because you know screw the Lakers, but um, you know eight. A Disney and LaMickey going out early, getting a nice little Cabo vacation and instead of having themselves get embarrassed. But for those, uh, for those Jordan stands who say that, you know, he's never lost in the finals. LeBron must be, uh, must be thinking about his legacy because, you know, can't lose in the finals if you don't make it there. And that's that, you know, get where you point at your um, head. But uh, the Phoenix Suns are an absolute wagon. I, I knew they were a good basketball team. I thought they'd give the Lakers a series. I didn't think they would take the Lakers out like that, completely embarrassing them in games five and six, and then absolutely steamroll the Denver Nuggets. Jokic was the MVP this year, and I know Murray was out and everything, but that's a deep team and a talented roster, and they made them look like the Sacramento Kings four straight games. The the Phoenix Suns fans also made Denver look like Sacramento Kings fans. Oh, 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 yeah. I want to point that out. Oh, yeah, that, that, that little game three incident where the guy got absolutely smoked in the face and then the Suns fan goes, Suns in four. Well, yeah, damn right, Suns in four. Um, and now they're, they're in the Western Conference Finals. And, and that team is an absolute wagon. Who they play, though, that will be quite the challenge for them. Uh, the Utah Jazz might be the only team in the league deeper than the Phoenix Suns. Uh, Donovan Mitchell is balling out. He's playing absolutely out of his mind right now. Gobert is phenomenal. All their role players are playing well but you can't count out the Clippers. Um, they're, they, they have the most star power left in the Western Conference and in this league in particular. Star power always plays out. I didn't know that they were going to get past Dallas after they went down 2-0. They found a way to pull it out in seven. They got down 2-0 again in this series, and now they're 2-2. This team finds a way to dig itself out of, hole, out of holes, and it looks like they have a good chance to do it again against the Jazz. So, you know, if things go the way they're leaning out west, it looks like it's going to be Suns-Clippers. I wouldn't be shocked if it's Suns-Jazz, but I think it'll be Suns-Clippers, and that should make for one hell of a series. As for out east, um, with Brooklyn officially disposing of Milwaukee tonight, I think this series is probably a wrap. I, Milwaukee might get game six at home, 
just because I don't think Durant's going to play more than like 40 minutes after what he did tonight. Uh, they would take their chances probably giving him a little bit of rest and not um, forcing him to play that much. Uh, but I, I don't see Milwaukee winning two straight games against the Nets at this point. They just don't have it. Them blowing a 16-point lead tonight was really the nail in the coffin on their season. As for the other series, I agree with Squid. I hate Philly, and it's fun to see their fans suffer. Where I disagree is that I want them to go out now because I do hate the Nets more. I can't stand Irving. I can't stand Durant. And as much as it pains me, I would rather see Philly win Brooklyn. Unfortunately, I don't think that's realistic especially with Embiid having a partial tear in his knee and Ben Simmons looking like some guy they picked up at the local YMCA who just happened to be tall and athletic. Uh, so, you know, it's probably going to be Brooklyn. Who they end up facing, I have no idea. I do think at this rate, it's probably going to be Phoenix just because they took two really, really good basketball teams and just throttled them. Um, they have a veteran leader in Chris Paul. They have a good young scorer in Devin Booker. DeAndre is really coming into his own this postseason. Jay Crowder and Mikael Bridges are two of the better perimeter defenders in the league. Campaign is out of absolutely nowhere, just an absolute weapon and menace off the bench for them. I, I couldn't even tell you who else they have. Frank Kaminsky is like an end-of-the-bench guy for them, former Wisconsin legend Frank Kaminsky, lost to that 2015 Duke national title team. I just – just a bunch of random guys around their big three of players. And they've turned themselves into an absolute unit. They'll probably lose in five games to Brooklyn, but they're quite the story this year. Um, you know, but a little bit surprised with the Lakers, really entertained by some of the randomness, especially around, you know, the Suns dominance and the Jazz being good. And uh, some of these series going deeper than I expected, especially the Hawks giving Philly a fight. But at the end of the day, things tend to level out and Brooklyn getting this lead back in the series and, you know, getting what looks like a favorable matchup either way in the conference finals is the NBA's way of it leveling out. And, you know, I think we all want, you know, Hawks Suns because that's just chaotic and everybody loves chaos and something fresh and new. And so because of that, we're going to get stuck with Squid's pick, which is Nets Clippers. That's that's how it's going to go. I, I, man, like I, I, I agree. We need chaos. We need chaos. We're all against Brooklyn here. We're, I mean, it's it's the world versus Brooklyn, and whoever can pull off a heroic effort and beat Brooklyn, I am all for. Yep, I am one hundred percent down with that. If uh, there are any sort of contacts that I can use to sort of, you know, pull some shenanigans in the Brooklyn Nets locker room. I'm not saying I wouldn't be down for it. Um, just going to throw that one out there. Can we, can we, can we send uh, Nicole Jokic's brothers after, after, the, after the Nets locker room? Sure. Send yes. me, send me their contact information. Just well, we can't, we can't make, end make this pod without talking about them. I mean, <laughs> those guys are absolutely terrifying. I saw a tweet about them and it was just like, they look like they grew up on the street and they kept Jokic out of the street because they knew he had real talent. And I was just like, yeah, that's exactly what they look like. Like and that foul, also, that foul that Jokic got thrown out for at the end of game four soft. I know he yeah. wound it up. I know he kind of winded up and wound up whatever, however you want to say it, but like he barely grazed him across the face. Like, come on. I mean, yeah, that campaign sold it. Uh, and I mean, Jokic's brothers are Siberian gangsters. They are <laughs> they are seven foot badasses. I if I mean if I'm the Phoenix Suns, I'm leaving the country. I, I mean if I'm Devin Booker, I am not going anywhere near Siberia ever in my life. Because he'll probably get they, killed. Those they guys look, are terrifying. They look like guys in a movie who stand next to like the main bad guy as his bodyguards who, who like the rock will somehow beat up, but no one else will beat up because they're absolutely terrifying creatures. Like that's what they look like. And I don't know if you saw the picture of his dad, his dad is gargantuan. I mean, my God, this man is huge. I mean, if you want, if you're going to go to Fox with someone, it's those two brothers, it's the Jokic family because they are terrifying guys. If they decided to get anywhere pissed off in that moment and just storm on the court, there was no security guards getting in their way. I don't care how many security guards are in front of them. Those guys could kill someone with their bare hands, and they probably would have if they got on the floor. 
Yeah. I can't deny any of what was just said. I, I really can't. That's super accurate. Uh, luckily, it didn't happen. No one actually got hurt. And the worst of it was that Jokic was unfortunately sent to the showers uh, a bit too soon. Um, I mean, this is this is what you come here for. It's cannibalism and Siberian murders. That's yep. what we're here for. Fixing to talk sports. Fixing to talk cannibalism and Siberian gangsters. But I think that's going to do it here for this edition of Fixing to Talk Sports. For Squid, Mike, and Producer Nitchy, I am Ryan Brown, and we will see you next time. Dude. God damn it! <laughs>